If you're listening to this episode, you're listening to one of our first ever episodes. Yay, you. Uh, Depending on which episode you're listening to, you may notice that we're still working some things out like the music in episode one or the just general audio audio problems that we have all the time sorry yeah we want to leave these episodes up to show our progress so this disclaimer is to thank you for listening and hopefully you'll have patience with these things yes we definitely ironed it out in season two so more to come usa okay and if you can although you're not going to see this on most look for human grade ingredients instead of that feed grade Oh, right. Is that a common thing with pet food, I wonder? I guess it's not to have human-grade ingredients, but mm-hmm. if you can find any, hold on to it tight. Right. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. And then here's some ingredients to avoid. So you don't want to have corn and wheat gluten. Right. You don't want meat and grain meals and byproducts. Right. BHA, which is a... Um, yeah, we should just take it. Which is a, a preservative... BHT is a preservative. Ectho. Ethoxyquin. Ethoxyquin? Yes. As a preservative as well? Yes. dog food and how dog food's made. Yeah, we have... <laughs> Who was that guy? Sprat? No, Sprat, but there was like this... this Gaston! Um, Gaston! <laughs> yeah, we learned all about Gaston two weeks ago, and then last week we learned about kibbles. <laughs> yeah. And now it's time that we make a choice. Ooh, okay. So what should we be feeding our dog? But let's start out with our featured adoptable dog of the week. This week I chose Kirby. He's oh, Kirby, what a cute name. Adorable. I grabbed oh, some pictures look from at you. Him. Oh my gosh. So for our listeners, he's got an adorable little white stripe down his face. He's mm-hmm. like oh, what what color would you call that? Like darker than gold. Like a tannish. I call him fawn colored actually. I think that's a dog color term. Fawn colored, yeah it is. It's yeah. so cute. And what do you think he is? Like a lab mix? So they have him down there as a male mix, which is obviously not helpful whatsoever. And if you're hearing anything, it's Charlie and Duke, of course, <laughs> playing again. They're the best of friends and having the yep. best of times. Yes, they are. Um, he's two years old, and he's 59 pounds. Aww. And if you want to go see a picture of him, go to Northeast Animal Shelter um, and look on their website. Basically, the shelter staff has found that Kirby loves tennis balls, and there's a few pictures of them. He's grabbing tennis <laughs> balls, and he's grabbing frisbees. <laughs> there's a picture of him catching a frisbee here in midair. <laughs> he's <pretty> great. adorable. <laughs> he loves going on walks and adventures, um, but he's really sad when he has to come in from those walks and adventures. So they're asking for a family that understands that about him and can give him a lot of exercise and training. Yay, so somebody please adopt Kirby. Yes, we love him. I know, me too. He'd fit in perfectly because I know Duke needs exercise too. Yeah, he looks very energetic. Yes, so is Charlie, who's secretly energetic. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's get into our episode. So as we've learned, careless dietary choices can expose our pets to many of the same problems that we experience if we're not thoughtful about what actually goes into our food. Right. 
So like heart disease, cancer, obesity, circulatory and digestion issues, diabetes, exposure to toxins, if, in case that all wasn't enough, and overall poor health. Right, and we saw those studies last week where dogs who were being fed crappy kibble were just less likely to live as long. So I think we can agree that what do you figure dog really matters. Of course, yes. It's super important. Most dogs eat foods and treats manufactured specifically for their particular species, as we've learned. Right. And by providing pets with those commercially available dry and moist food and treats, with, of course, the barrage of buzzwords highlighting their supposedly nutritious nature from marketing. Darn mm-hmm. marketers. Hate all of them. Just kidding. I love marketing. I admit. <laughs> Laurel is a marketer, everybody. That's why she can make jokes about them. Um, pet parents are lulled into sometimes maybe a false sense that their pet's health is best being served. Yep. And I don't want to act like all dog food is bad. I don't want to act like marketers are evil geniuses right, right, or anything yeah. like that. But I just want everyone to go in with their eyes wide open and mm-hmm. not get that false sense of security. But really, don't take it lightly and do your research. Yep, definitely. Um, so, when feeding most commercial pet foods, pet owners benefit from the convenience of opening a bag of dry food or a can of wet food and defrosting and serving that frozen pet food. And our society does that because they're very focused on convenience instead of health process, or they're very focused on convenience with giving those processed foods that require little to no preparation. If it says that it's healthy for the dog, you're like, okay, well, they must be right. And so, and it's easy. You just open something up, feed it to your dog, and... I mean, and honestly, dog food's kind of gross. Like, it's not convenient to try to, like, make something on your own at home. (laughs) It's so true. So, today I wanted to really briefly go into, I know we went into it last week, Mm -hmm. too, but really briefly, I just want to kind of recap why pet food may be good or a bad choice for your pet, and I wanted to start off with the good. So, as we have learned, commercially available pet food is required to be nutritionally complete and balanced for all life stages. We learned about those life stages, which gives the pet owner a degree of certainty that their companion animal will consume a combination of proteins, fats, carbohydrates, fiber, vitamins, and minerals to meet their nutritional needs. Mm -hmm. So, we know that. Um, Commercial diets and treats are also regulated by the FDA, which we just learned about, which made me feel a lot better. I don't know if it made you feel a lot better. What does FDA stand for again? Was it like... Food and Drug Administration. Oh, that's right. Okay. Oh. (laughs) I should know that one. (laughs) They kind of regulate our food, too. (laughs) I thought it was like a pet-specific one. Anyway. And because it's regulated by the FDA... These dogs are crazy. The product labels is are legally required to include a proper listing of all ingredients in the product in order from most to the least. Right. Just like ours. Yeah. And um, that's also based on the weight along with the guaranteed analysis, which is the percentages of crude protein, fat, fiber, moisture. And there's also a guideline for the daily quantity of food recommended to be fed based on the pet body weight. So that's all the good things. Okay, yeah. So, okay, so what about the bad things? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we feel pretty comfortable, like, knowing, like, someone's got, someone's got some oversight on this. Feel pretty comfortable that someone's watching out. <laughs> but let's move on to the bad. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately for our pets, nearly all commercially available dog and cat food is made with ingredients that are considered to be feed-grade instead of human grade. 
So feed grade ingredients are lower quality than human grade. Oh, okay. I did not know this at all. No, I didn't realize that there were two different grades that you could even have. Um, feed grade ingredients have allowances for toxins, like oh. mold-produced mycotoxins. There's allowances for toxins, such as mold-produced mycotoxins, that are acceptable in significantly reduced quantities in human-grade foods. So it allows for much larger amounts of these toxins. What? Yes. And meat meals, such as mean meat and bone meal and byproducts, come from the rendering process and can contain dead animals from farms. What? Ranches, feedlots, marketing barns, animal shelters, and other facilities. Animal well. shelters? Yes. I don't know exactly what that means, but... Oh, my God. And it also allows for fats, grease, and other food waste from restaurants and stores. Ew. From restaurants? I think they may just be naming, like, all of the feed grade possibilities. Like, okay. they may be saying, like, these aren't... I can't imagine that that... He just did the same thing to me, Charlie. Um, I can't imagine that that would necessarily be allowed, but he might. they might just be saying, like, it's not frowned upon. Right. Or okay. you can do it. Oh, still, it's a little creepy. Yeah. Even the less questionable ingredients may not be as nutritious as you think, and you touched on this last week. Even the less questionable ingredients may not be as nutritious as you think. The dry kibble and canned foods are cooked at high temperatures to kill bacteria, but which also deactivates beneficial enzymes and denatures proteins, more bioavailable form. So I think that means, like, I don't know. <laughs> Denaturing proteins, I'm, I'm guessing it means that they're not as healthy for you anymore. Yeah. Similar to microwaving or nuking your food, this reduces the nutrients in your pet's food. Right, right. And then you also touched on last week that like Blue 2, Red 40, Yellow 5, and 6 have been documented, which are all the dyes in the food. Right. Have been documented to contribute to hypersensitivity or allergic type reactions behavior problems, and cancer in humans, which... So, that's awful. Um, one question I have, like, we know that these diets are supposed to be complete diets for our dogs, but what I don't know is, are they complete before that cooking process that you just described, or are they complete after? Yeah, that's a really good question that I don't really know, but I can imagine that they could make a really good case for, well, all of the ingredients are in there, so... Right, right. Because I wonder if you consider it complete first, and then you bake it, and, or go through the, what's it, the extruding process. Yeah. Um, I feel like you lose a lot of the nutrients, and then, like, some are sprayed on, but I feel like, is that where they consider it complete, or... Yeah, it's all... It's strange that they allow for that kind of process. And I understand yeah. why they do, because how else would they get it on, like, for shelf life? Right. But it's just, it's too bad that we're losing so many much nutrients that way. Right. That's true. Um, and then more recently, and you touched on this last week too, is that the caramel color has come under fire as it contains 4-M-E-I-E. I don't know how to pronounce the real name. It's like methylamizdozoi. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, by the way, I'm not looking at the word. I just made that up. <laughs> it contains meth. <laughs> Methylamid. Hold on. You have to try it. Okay. <laughs> Methylamidazole. <laughs> Anyways, it's called 4-M-I-E. 
And it's a known animal carcinogen. What's a carcinogen? I forget, but I feel like I should know. Oh, hang on. I'll look this up. Thanks. You can keep going and I'll... Basically, when it comes down to it, artificially coloring food only peels humans and not pets. Carcinogen, a substance capable of causing cancer in living tissue. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. I know. That's so horrible. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, the rendered animal fat provides flavor enhancement for kibble and is a source of microorganisms. Organism. Microorganisms. <laughs> And it's a source of microorganisms, like salmonella. No, but it can also be good microorganisms. True. So, just True. throwing it out there. There's good bacteria, too. Yeah, like in yogurt. Yeah, like probiotic yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> and toxins, which are like heavy metals. So, this is all the bad things. So, obviously, right, they're right. not putting in any of the good parts. Right. If moisture penetrates a dry food bag, then harmful bacteria and mold can flourish, of course, but that's like when any moisture penetrates any sort of right. food source. You can have no box of cereal, too. Yeah. So. Um, meeting our pet's nutritional requirements, but doing so with substandard quality and potentially toxic ingredients can cause both short and long-term health consequences. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, and then there's also that FDA alert. Do you remember I brought it up? For a few weeks now, about that study that they did related to heart disease. Yes, yeah. So I finally brought it up so that I could actually speak to it. Um, the FDA is currently, so they're still currently have an open investigation on this mm-hmm. for a potential link between diet and heart disease in dogs. And there's been an update since it was first released. So the FDA has still not discovered why certain dog foods may be associated with the development of DCM and. DCM is a disease of a dog's heart muscle that results in weakened contractions and poor pumping ability. No. Which can then lead to an enlarged heart and congestive heart failure. No, that's so sad. That is really sad. So we have to figure out how to stop it or make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah, and this was linked to which food? So they still haven't figured out, like, which dog foods are associated with the development of DCM. In fact, the agency now believes that the connection between diet and DCM is a complex scientific issue that involves multiple factors. Oh, okay. Results of the study still remain inconclusive, as I said, and, but there, and there have been no recalls. Okay. The FDA oh, actually has, um, the FDA actually has their own quote in here. It's important to note, and this is from the FDA, mm-hmm. their statement, it's important to note that the reports include dogs that have eaten grain-free and grain-containing foods, as well as vegetarian and vegan formulations. So they're basically oh, wow. saying that it's across a bunch of different diets. Right, okay. They also include all forms of diets, which are kibble, canned, raw, and home-cooked. Huh, okay. So I think that they, are, they did this, when all of these studies first came out, it was really tied strongly to kibble and it was tied strongly to um grain free kibble diets right right so i think they're trying to kind of write that wrong and make sure that people are updated and understand that it's it's not tied to those um that there's other foods that it could be linked to as well or maybe it's something that's not doesn't have to do with food at all we don't know possible yeah um 
So they do not think that these cases can be explained simply by whether or not they contain grains or by brand or manufacturer. Mm -hmm. The FDA has received reports about 560 dogs that were diagnosed with DCM and suspected to be linked to the diet. So they do still think that it's diet. Duke. (laughs) You guys are just so bad whenever we record. (laughs) Tens of millions of dogs have been eating dog food without developing DCM. So that's important to remember, too. Have been eating... Develop DCM without like eating dog food. Um, so they're trying to bring it. I think to um, they're trying to keep it in perspective, basically. Right. And the FDA has received reports of 560 dogs that were diagnosed with DCM. Okay. But they're trying to remind us that tens of millions of dogs have been eating dog food without developing DCM. Gotcha. That's true. Yeah. That's a really good point. So they're basically trying to tell us. You know, don't overreact yet. They're just not sure. Yeah. I see you have a chart in the notes here. I'm so excited to find out what the chart is. <laughs> I bet. I knew that would make ex- visual. <laughs> <laughs> I knew a chart would make you excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, although the root cause of DCM remains unknown, and even though initially the condition appeared to be more common in certain breeds, the FDA has received reports of DCM in a wide range of breeds including many that are not genetically prone. Okay. So before, they thought that it was maybe tied to certain breed types. So um, here's all of the breeds that most frequently reported to the FDA that have DCM. And at the top of the list, in quite a big difference from all the others, is a golden retriever. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it goes to mix, which obviously isn't helpful at all. It's all mixed breed. Yep. And then Lab Retriever, and Great Dane, Pitbull, and German Shepherd Dog, and it goes on from there. So something interesting about this is that it's a frequency chart, and it's those breeds that Laurel just that you just mentioned are the ones most frequently reported, but these are also some of the most common dog breeds in America. Mm, that's a good so point. So they could be the most frequent simply because they are the most common breeds. Um, it's just something to keep in mind also when we're trying to track down the source of DCM. It might not be that golden retrievers are more prone or something. It could be that they're just that common and living in families who are most common to report the case or something like that. Just yeah. just a side note. Yeah, that's a really good thing to keep in mind. And um, that actually comes into play a little bit later too when they talk about like the different food um, brands that are Right. That they're presenting. Like, these are all large breed dogs, except for mixed. That could be large or small. I wonder if it has to do with large breed dog food, too. Yeah, that's that's very possible. So, since announcing the investigation in July of 2018, which was last year and change, Mm -hmm. FDA researchers have observed that most of these DCM cases were associated with animals eating dry dog foods. Okay. Which is where all of that big scare came from. Right. However, dogs eating raw, semi-moist, and wet diets were also affected. Okay. So in addition to that, researchers found that over 90% of the reported recipes were grain-free. And yet, some of those dogs consumed diets that contained grain as well. But over 90%. So most of the cases were were grain-free? Yes. Huh. Okay. So do you think being grain-free is suspect, maybe? 
Possibly. That's, like, where the big thing, like, what everyone was saying for a little bit. But I think they found out some other things. Okay. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) So, what about brands? Brands that were named the most frequently in these reports are in the next chart that I have. Ooh. The presence of these brands could simply, and this is the point that you had with the dog breeds, Mm -hmm. is that they could simply be related to their exceptional popularity. Right, yeah. So that's something to keep in mind, too. Um, But I haven't heard of a lot of the two first ones, so I'm not sure that that can be true. Akana? No, I haven't heard of that. Or Signature? Nope. So unless they're brands that own other brands that we use, but no, I haven't heard of either of those. Yeah, me neither. I've heard of the next one, Taste of the Wild, for health, yep. But those are supposed to be really good dog foods. I know, and Earthbone Holistic, that's the one that I fed for years and could swear by. Oh my gosh, yeah, definitely. For health has been really great. I didn't like Taste of the Wild, but gave Duke the poops. <laughs> <laughs> that's always annoying to do. <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting. And then the FDA actually gives a statement on this. Um, The prevalence of reports in dogs eating a grain-free diet might correlate also to the market share. Mm -hmm. These products have become exceedingly popular over the last several years. So is this a raw count of the number of cases reported for each? I believe so, but I don't know that with certainty. Because if we wanted to do our own little study, maybe for next week, um, what we could do is... We have to get an estimate of how many dogs in America use each brand, or an estimate of how, or for the breeds, we could do the same thing. How many dogs in America are, America are each of those breeds? Yep. Just an estimate. Yeah. And then you, we can divide that by, or divide the um, number of cases reported for the breed by the number of dogs, and find out which dogs of the breed um, have the highest percentage of cases. That'd be awesome. So instead of like how many, how many of each breed have reported having this this problem, it would be like which breeds have the highest occurrence of this problem. Yeah, would that, be another way to look at it. That's a really so, good idea. Yeah, we should try that. Let's do it for next week. And they should hire you to do this. <laughs> that would be amazing. I can get you this report and see okay, what yeah, you can do, do with it. Do a little digging for next week. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about it in the intro or something. <laughs> Perfect. Um, So even though it's not clear what it is about these diets that may be connected to DCM in dogs, there are a number of possible causes. For example, taurine deficiency, which, remember you you talked about taurine last week. that's the one that gets sprayed on the kibble. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and you were worried that that spray wasn't enough taurine to prevent, I remember did so many good things for the dogs. Right, yeah. And it was like... Having not having enough taurine is really bad. Yeah, and I would say that you're totally right based on this. So taurine deficiency is a well documented potential cause of some cases of DCM. Yet it's not likely to be the only cause. Just gets more and more complicated. <laughs> According to Dr. Lisa Freeman, who's a veterinary nutritionist at Tufts University, most dogs being di- diagnosed with DCM do not have low taurine levels. Ugh. Oh my god! The second you think you ha- you're onto something, yeah. 
Which means it's not reasonable. I didn't remember that. So I really thought we were onto something. Which means it's not reasonable to assume a taurine deficiency is the definitive cause of DCM, but maybe a factor. Wow, so it seems like every time we think we're onto something with what's causing this DCM, it's refuted. I know. I know. I keep thinking that the article is about to say, like, we've got it. But... So now they bring it back to a common thread, though. According to the FDA, researchers have uncovered one dietary feature that's common to a large number of DCM cases. The common thread appears to be legumes. Legumes. What? Legumes. Legumes. Like beans. Legumes. Lentils. How is that a real word? <laughs> legumes. Legumes. <laughs> Hang on, let me make sure I'm saying... I always read it as legume, but... Nobody says that word very much, so... Wait, hang on, let's ask Siri. Uh, here we go, ready? Yeah. It's playing. Legume. Legume! <laughs> Legume. Legume. So, the common thread appears to be legumes, pulses, which are seeds of legumes. What? They can think of a normal name for that they call it a pulse a pulse it's kind of creepy and our potatoes as the main ingredients in the food what kind of potatoes just potatoes, just potatoes. so legumes and legumes yeah potatoes and legume seeds aka pulses were linked to dcm if it was the main ingredient in the food oh okay huh so this also includes protein, starch, and fiber derivative of these ingredients. Gotcha. Charlie is so sad because we took away his Duke from him. What? Duke, yeah, you're right here. Some reports indicate that pets were not eating any other foods for several months to years prior to exhibiting signs of DCM. They weren't eating any other foods? So, I mean, they were on the same diet for years? I think so. Okay. So, what are some things that we can all do right now to lower our dog's risk? Which, obviously, we all would really like to know. Yes. (laughs) Until the FDA completes its study and releases its final report, which we're not really sure when that's going to happen. Do they tend to move slow over there? I think from from this article, it kind of sounds like they do. Yeah, from the same people who brought you the DMV, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so the the dog food advisor, which I wanted to say where they're from because I always ask that question. Yep. So they're actually a privately owned, and they're not affiliated in any way with any pet food manufacturers. Oh wow, that's great. That's so great. They don't accept money, gifts, samples, or other incentives in exchange for special consideration in preparing their reviews. Nice. Okay. They do receive, or just to let everyone know, they do receive a referral fee from online retailers like Chewy or Amazon Mm -hmm. when readers click over their website from from theirs. And this policy helps support their operation of their blog and keeps access to all of their content free to the public. Okay. So, but it sounds like they're not trying to give a positive spin on these dog food companies or anything. Exactly right. And Chewy and Amazon both, they support so many different ones that they would never really be um, going for just one. Do you know, are they funded by anything else, I wonder? It doesn't sound like it. Maybe it's just advertising. Yeah, could be. 
Um, it seems like they're a pretty small operation, mm-hmm. but I suggest everyone goes to their website because it was really informative and I got so much stuff from it. Cool. And it made me feel better that they didn't take any money or anything. And what was it called again? The Dog Food Advisor. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> um, so the Dog Food Advisor believes it makes sense to apply science and logic to all of our feeding decisions, which, would you agree with that, Sarah? Yes. <laughs> logic and science? <laughs> so they want you, you us to consider these practical tips. Since compared to meat, vegetable protein tends to be incomplete, deficient in certain essential amino acids, they say that we should favor brands that derive most of their protein from animal sources. Okay. So like having meat first and the ingredient right, list. Right, that makes sense. Don't avoid any brand just because it contains peas, legumes, or potatoes. In reasonable amounts, studies have not found these ingredients to be toxic. Okay, that's good. So I've been actually using legumes and peas occasionally as snacks or as little supplements for Duke. So now I'm worried if I need to, like, bring that in. <laughs> I know. I kind of I kind of think you should. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Because I read elsewhere that it was good for him, but... Now I'm thinking it's not. <laughs> so. I know. I guess we just don't know yet. Yeah. So. But just in case, I think I'll find other snacks for. <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite brands that don't list pea protein or other plant protein concentrates among their first few ingredients. Okay. Avoid brands that use ingredient splitting to hide the fact that their re- recipes are domi- dominated by non-meat items like corn, rice, or legumes. I've never said legume more in my life. (laughs) Well, we're going to be pros at saying legumes by the time this episode's done. Definitely. And if you're confused about grain-free, like me, consider switching your dog to a quality food that contains grain. Yep. So they're saying, you know, if you're you're feeling uncomfortable about it, then just switch. Right. Keep peace of mind. Focus on the recipe, not the brand. To satisfy consumer demand, companies sometimes replace the meat in certain products with cheaper plant protein alternatives. Yet, many brands still offer other recipes with superior meat-rich designs. So, I think they're saying just still that same, like, make sure meat's number one ingredient. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's the takeaway. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Diversify. They are having so much fun with this bone right now. I, I don't know if you saw a minute ago, but Charlie came running out with the bone and showed it to Duke, and then Duke was all like, oh, I want that, and they've been chasing each other around with it ever since. I know. We're so sorry that our sound quality is never great. That's okay. <laughs> Someday soon, I'm moving into a new house, and I'm convinced that I'm going to make a little studio. Oh my gosh, it'll be great. <laughs> Um, so, basically, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Diversify. Mm-hmm. Since no dog food can ever be perfect, consider using diet rotation to lower the risk of endlessly feeding your pet the same imperfect product. Ooh, okay. So, whatever the problem is with one food, switch it out for the problem in another. But <laughs> Kind of. Yeah, you're switching out your pros and cons, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of like if we ate the same thing every day, and that same... It's kind of a lot of pressure to put on one dog food. It is, To be, yeah. like, a fully balanced meal in every single bite. That's true. It's true, yeah. Final results, as we know, are still not conclusive, 
and there's no way to know that the FDA investigation, how long the FDA investigation will take. Yet the agency is hopeful that as more data becomes known, scientists will gain a better understanding of the possible connection between diet and DCM. Nice. And we'll keep you updated if we find anything else. <laughs> <Yeah>. Charlie! <laughs> it's okay, our listeners are dog lovers, right? So they'll, they'll, they can relate to this. So until we know the answer, they're telling us <laughs> to be patient and don't overreact. Thanks a lot. <laughs> And they're saying, don't be frightened by all the well-meaning yet misguided advice you'll surely encounter on the internet, which is kind of what we say all the time. That's true. Yeah. yeah. There's so much that you can find out there. And, oh my gosh, that's, I think I've honestly fallen trapped to this lately, trying to feed Duke, like, the peas and the legumes mm. that I read was a good idea, you know? I know. It's almost like you have to find your trusted sources. Yes. And then just stick with it. It seems like you found one with this. So, hi, Charlie. Charlie, this is not polite. Not even a little bit. Oh, just climbing. Just no respect whatsoever. Oh, it's so cute. It is adorable. It makes me so happy. Yes, look at you. Look at you. At least he's soft. Everybody loves you. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, or the faulty counsel offered by too many uninformed professionals, which we could be an uninformed. Yeah, we could be, but we're trying our best to give you objective <laughs> advice. Yes. Base your feeding decisions on facts and science, and the, for the safety and well-being of your pet, the process of choosing dog food must always include an accurate analysis of the dog food label. So okay. always check your dog food label carefully. Okay. Duke doesn't like that barking. A careful evaluation of the company that designs and produces it. So that kind of goes along with your last week's episode where you were like, make sure that you know where the, they're even manufacturing. Right, right. And a study of the product revealed reviews by real-life users posted on online retailers. So check out the reviews, too. Right. That, those are incredibly helpful. And, like, the more and more people are on, using the internet to order their food, the more, like, the better the reviews are getting. Definitely. There's more reviews, and you can really see. Especially, you can find other people with the same breed of dog as you. Yeah. And try to find their reviews. That can be helpful, too. Definitely. So, what to look for in dry, wet food? Like, what should you be looking out for? Look out for natural preservatives, like vitamin C and E. So, that can preserve the food, but it's not damaging to your dog. Okay. Also, look for made in the Etho Ethoxyquin. Ethoxyquin, okay. Another preservative. Food dyes, like blue 2, red 40, yellow 5, and 6, 4-MIE. 4-MIE. PG, which is propylene glycol, and rendered fat. What's rendered fat? It sounds disgusting. It does sound disgusting, <laughs> and apparently you just don't want it. Okay. Okay, the best... So what are the best dry dog foods? Because obviously we have to choose by the end of this episode. Oh, gosh. Okay, yeah. So I don't know. Please tell me. Do you have a list there? I do. Okay. So I have the Dog Food Advisor, who we love. Their top five best dry dog foods. 
And they did this in October of 2019, which is now. Oh my gosh, wow, it's brand new. <laughs> yeah. yes. So they actually gave the top 20. Mm-hmm. And if you hear Charlie barking, it's because we put him in timeout and he's very unhappy. <laughs> um, but the top five best dry dog foods have all of these qualities. So they have above average meat content. Okay. They have a safe fat to protein ratio. They have moderate carb levels. And they have no high-risk preservatives. All right. As well as no anonymous meat. Cool. So they basically check off all the box of, boxes of not having those things that you just listed. Exactly. So Dr. Tim's dry dog food is one, is number one. Dr. Tim's dry dog food? I've yeah. no, have you heard of that before? Never. I hadn't either. Not in my life. And I was so surprised because the first five ingredients, it include meal in the word, which like I've always really stayed away from. Right, yeah. But I trust, I trust this site to know better than I do. <laughs> Was it just meal? Just the word meal? It's chicken meal. Oh, okay. Brown rice, chicken fat, whole oat grains, and dried beet pulp. Okay. Instinct Original Grain Free Dry. Okay. Also have never heard of it. Nope, me neither. First five ingredients are beef, chicken meal, white fish meal, peas, and chicken fat. Again with the meal. I know. It's grain-free, it's for all life stages, and it's best for all adults and puppies. <laughs> then there's Victor Classic Dry Dog Food. The first five ingredients are, <laughs> are beef meal, grain, sorghum, chicken fat, pork meal, and chicken meal. So they all have this meal in them, so I'm guessing it's just a normal thing. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. And then there's Animate Dry Dog Food and Canaday. That's the first one I've ever actually known. Which one? Canaday? Canaday. Oh, like Can a Day. Oh, no, no, not at all. Canaday. <laughs> Canaday. C A N I D A E. Grain free, pure dry dog food. Okay. So those are the top five. A much bigger list is on that site, so I suggest that everyone go check it out and figure out what's the best for them. I'm so surprised I'd never heard of any of those brands, not even Canada. I know, and I've done a lot of research, but this one was just done in, like, October of 2019, like I said, yeah. so maybe they did some more research based on that study. You know what's sad is I wish we could just ask our vets what they would recommend for the dogs but so many vets get kickbacks mm-hmm. for the dog food that they recommend so i feel like i can't trust my vet to recommend the right food for my dog i really so, wouldn't yeah so I, i'll go with i'll probably try one of these honestly i know you have to if anything if there's anything that we've learned from the past few weeks is that you have to really understand where the source is coming from and then also if they're paid by anyone right Um, but if you have a little more time on your hands and you're interested in cooking for your dog, I recommend finding a holistic veterinarian. Okay. So as we've all experienced what you just said, which was funny that you just said, <laughs> vets try and tip us in one direction. Yep. And that direction is always dry dog food and a lot of times dog food that they're being paid by. It's happened so many times and we actually switched vets multiple times because I was upset about it. Like, we would walk in, and they have a shelf full of all the same brand of food, and you're in there meeting with the vet for the first time, and they're just pushing this food on you. Yeah. And you're like, well, why is it good? And they're like, well, 
it's grain free. And but how is that good for my dog? You know, like they don't seem to have a really good reason. They don't know enough about it. I'm dying to. I've tried I've reached out to probably five different vets offices at this point to try to get a veterinarian on with us. Mm-hmm. No one's interested right now. Yeah. I'm hoping that someone can, and I'm also hoping that they'd be up for like pretty spicy discussion on it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um. That's not the case with holistic veterinarians, though, as far as the dry dog food. I'm not saying that they won't try to push something else on you. I'm just saying that they'll help support your goals of not feeding your dog that dry dog food. Right, right. So they're all about cooking for your dog, and they've had many dog owners start cooking for their dogs as a way to avoid those harmful additives. Mm -hmm. And as we've learned a million times throughout this episode, a balanced diet is essential. Many vets recommend a ratio, so most vets among whatever discipline they're in, they recommend a ratio of 40% protein, 50% vegetables, and 10% starch. Okay. 40% protein, 50% vegetables, 10% starch? Yes. Gotcha. Sorry. (laughs) Mental check. People normally think of dogs as eating beef, but there are many other possibilities to fulfill the protein requirements. You can have beef, you can have turkey, chicken, lamb, fish, beans, like lima beans or kidney beans, but that shouldn't replace the meat protein, as we've learned. Right, right. Or eggs in moderation. Oh, okay. I, I like to just eat eggs on, a, no, on occasion. <laughs> okay, vegetables for your dog. Some should be avoided. Safe vegetables include carrots, green beans, broccoli, which can cause gas. Mm-hmm. Cauliflower can also cause gas. Okay. <laughs> but spinach, peas, celery, cucumbers, and pumpkin. Like oh, you're nice. doing. Oh, wait, so peas are safe. They're just possibly linked to, yeah, something to the, what was the disorder? The heart problem? DCM. DCM, okay. I think it's everything's in moderation. Okay, gotcha. Which is the same for humans as well. Yep. In most cases. Yep, and I do feed... He gets a tablespoon of pumpkin every day with his breakfast. Yeah, and you so. said that's and that's still been helping out a lot. It it's been amazing. It's that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. Carbohydrates also in in. Oof, let me start over. Carbohydrates contain important vitamins for dogs as well. They provide fiber for a healthy digestion, mm-hmm. and some good possibilities for that are rice, potatoes. But they have to be cooked potatoes. Okay. And moderation, because we learned that potatoes can sometimes be bad, too. Right. Pasta, but obviously don't add oil or salt. Mm-hmm. Um, oatmeal or yams. Yams. Also sweet potatoes. I've, I've, yeah. I've do sweet potatoes. I guess that falls under the potatoes category. Yeah. But sweet potatoes are specifically... And they make great treats when they're all dried out, too. Oh, nice. So. That's awesome. So, while many people think dogs can eat almost Wait. anything... That's... While many people think dogs can eat almost anything, certain foods are dangerous and even deadly to dogs. Don't include any of these items when cooking for your dog. You can include chocolate, cannot eat, have, give them onions, no raisins, no avocados, no grapes, no walnuts, macadamia nuts, coffee, spices, or raw yeast dough. This scares me so much because when I leave Duke with other people mm. or there's guests around, they don't know about this list. Like, grapes seem so innocent. 
And I'm always telling people you cannot feed dogs greens. I know. know. I mean, there's so many things you can feed them, right? And that's an easy mistake to make. That one is, I know, I have seen people feeding grapes before. I've no. Correct, I know. Or even, like, nuts. Like, some people don't think it's a big deal. But it is. So it's, that's one of the bad ones. And they think, like, I mean, you can feed peanuts and peanut butter to a dog. That's mm. safe. And I think people think because that's safe that other nuts are safe. But that's not the case. Right. So true. So companies like the Farmer's Dog, the Balance IT website, and Just Foods for Dogs they all have recipes that, are, and we've heard from the farmer's dog before. Mm-hmm. They all have recipes that are very specific for creating a balanced diet. If you want to, if you have the time to cook for your dog. Right. Okay. So, companies like the Farmer's Dog, the Balance IT website, and Just Foods for Dogs has recipes that are very specific for creating a balanced diet. You can use, you can pick the proteins. You can even pick the proteins, carbs, fats, vegetables, and fruits that you'll be using, and the site will give you a nutrient profile and a supplement mix that you can buy. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. It sounds like you're just, like, shopping for your dog. Which is always a blast. Yeah. Um, Also, Duke and Charlie have been playing tug-of-war. Duke's amazing at it. Charlie's not great. (laughs) Or even just like hold on to it. He's getting yeah. a little bit better. Yeah, he is. I'm so happy with how much energy they're burning on this rainy day. It's so great. <laughs> I feel like this is the perfect toy for them too. It really is. So through my research for this week, one common theme that I found is that you should basically switch up your food from time to time. Right. Yep. Uh, I agree with that, and I think that's something we've been scared of in the past because a lot of veterinarians and stuff say, like, oh, don't switch your dog's food, it's not good for their stomach, and when you do it, you have to do it really gradually, but I think that after today's episode, that's something I'd be willing to try, Yeah. as long as um, I'd be careful not to do it too frequently, and again, be really gradual with the switch every time. Yeah, but it's, it makes a lot of sense, like, it's a lot of pressure to put on your dog food every single day for years and years. It's true, and if there is some kind of deficiency coming from the dog food, it's only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. So if you switch it, then, you know, you can help replace that area that was a defi- deficiency before. But as you know, Dookie, that's not a toy. Um, but as you know, especially with a dog that has food allergies, it can be really scary to switch out your dog food. Because, like, once we find that dog food that works for our dogs, we just, like, you don't ever want that's to change true. it. That's true. Like, with peanut, where you try food after food after food, and when you finally find the one that would work, I mean, what are you supposed to do then? Like, keep going back to other potentially allergenic foods? I know. It's so true. So... I personally don't have time to cook. I don't know if you do, but I'm probably going to try some of the dog foods that um, the dog food advisor, what they laid out, just Mm -hmm. because I'd love to be able to cook for Charlie, but it's just not in my lifestyle. I don't even cook for myself, so I don't know about you, but I'm going to try some of those dog foods. Yeah, I have a really hard time finding time to cook. I'll probably be trying some of those dog foods. I'm going to keep supplementing with fresh ingredients, like like the pumpkin, broccoli, things like that. Duke loves fresh vegetables, so yeah, I'm keep up with that. Cool. All right, so I think we've made our choice. We're sticking with kibble, which is surprising mm-hmm. to me and I bet to yourself. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to – we have a few good techniques to do now. And we're also going to stay really close and updated on... (laughs) Charlie was looking at you like, Sarah. (laughs) Um, 
we're going to keep you really updated and watching for the FDA to bring out a new report so yeah. that we can get it, let everyone know. We'll do. Duke, no! <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah, so where can they email us? Dogcasters at whatisdog.com. Uh, also, follow us on Instagram. At whatisdogcast. All right, thanks, everybody. Have a good week. Have a wonderful week. Bye. Bye.